And uh, thank you, worship team, for leading us so beautifully today. It was really a wonderful time just to be in the presence of the Lord. I was glad to see the sun this morning. Hey! I was up early before the sun came up, and then it sort of came out of nowhere, and I was like, oh, that's right. I remember what that looks like. So nice. Some of you had plans to canoe yourself into church today. It was, but all things in their season. Um, hey, just a couple of things. Um, I don't usually do this, and just because I'm doing it for these two people doesn't mean I'm going to be able necessarily to do it for you. But let me just say a happy birthday shout out to my friend, Eliza Oberholzer, who is birthday buddies with Quint Wirtz. I learned that today. So two of our staff kids that actually share a birthday, which is pretty exciting. So they're like 25 or 30, I don't know how old they are. Uh, no, they're young. They're awesome. Awesome kids. And happy birthday to them. Uh, if you see them, give them a big uh, shout out or something. Um, I also want to say just a couple of things. Uh, it's Mother's Day today. So as we mentioned before, we honor the moms. Uh, we're grateful for all of you. And uh, if you're uh, able to give your mom a call this afternoon, if she's not here, make sure you do that. Tell her you love her. Uh, my favorite mom's story, I'm not sick of it yet, so I'm going to keep sharing it with you. If you get sick of it, you tell me. It's a write-in write from a mom who says she's walking with her daughter. Daughter's five years old. She sees her little daughter bend down to pick something up off the ground and stick it in her mouth, you know, like little kids do. And so she's like, nah, don't do that. Don't, don't, don't. Why, why should I do that, mom? She says, well, honey, it's dirty. There's going to be germs, and, and you don't want to eat all that kind of stuff, so don't do it. So the, the, the daughter looks at the mom just with total admiration and says, Mom, you're just so smart. You just know all this stuff. It's amazing. How, how do you know all this stuff? And the mom says, well, uh, she writes in, she says, well, I, I don't know quite to say, so I just sort of blurted out, like, well, it's, it's on the mom test. It's just on the mom test. You know, you gotta pass the mom test or whatever. And so they're walking along for another couple minutes and then she says, my daughter's eyes brightened up suddenly with, with understanding and she said, I understand. If you don't pass the mom test, then you have to be the dad. <laughs> that might actually be right, so in some ways at least, so I'll let you discuss that amongst yourselves. Happy Mother's Day nonetheless. Hey, last week, one other thing that we, we talked about last week, talking about spirit of generosity and setting a goal that in the month of May, you know, our, our general fund giving, we want to see that kind of like ramp up a little bit. We've been running about 83% because, frankly, we've been really generous in a lot of other places. So just be mindful of that. In the month of May, we want to do a little bit of catching up in our general fund giving. Um, but I also wanted to say, I, I didn't really say this uh, real overtly last time, um, one of the aspects of generosity that has been really beautiful to see is that we have been asking you to pray about some of the Afghan refugee families, and we actually have three families now that are relocated here in the State College area, and one of those families has been adopted by our church, so we have a team of people who have been vetted, and they've had to go through a whole lot of kind of processing to actually be a part of that team, but our, our team from this church is doing a great job in ministering to that family, and, and uh, we haven't given a whole lot of public updates. We want to be respectful of the family's privacy and all that kind of stuff. In fact, I I was thinking, like, I can't quite imagine what that would be like, right? I mean, I was, I was trying to put myself in the shoes of somebody who's trying to say, I'm with my family in a place that I'm not used to, and a new language, and all of those sort of things. So certainly we can continue to pray for those families, but that is another expression of your generosity and the way that our church has been able to care uh, for that family and other churches in this area caring for families. So good kingdom work that's being done, uh, and we're very thankful for that. 
Uh, So today is the sixth message in our series on the wondrous cross, and I'm going to ask you to turn to Ephesians chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, we're going to look there together. Um, The sort of post-Easter narrative that we've been unpacking, this series started before Easter, but since since Easter, we've been talking about uh, access to God. You know, we're always grateful, never satisfied, continuing to press in. Uh, last week, we were talking about finding Christ in brokenness and just the beauty of communion and what that is, and we were able to celebrate that together as a church family. Very sweet time of communion with the Lord. Uh, uh, and then today, the title of the message is Breaking Barriers. So when I talk about breaking barriers, I started thinking about like what comes to your mind when you think about breaking barriers, and I don't know what comes to your mind, but I was sort of transported back to elementary school in this game that we would play. I don't know if kids still play it or not, where you all link arms, hands together. You know what I'm talking about? And then the other opposing team has a line of kids, and then you yell out, Red Rover, Red Rover, let somebody, you know, Charles, come over, you know, and everything. And then... The child runs at full speed with the intention of breaking through the, op- the opposite line. I don't know who came up with the idea, and I don't know if kids are still playing it, but the older you get, the, the less safe that game becomes. You know, because like kids are getting stronger and they're getting faster, and, you, and now you gotta really commit to this thing. If you're gonna break through, you gotta really go. You gotta get full steam ahead. Because if you don't break through, it hurts. But the fact of the matter is, if you do break through, it hurts. And your kids' arms are getting wrenched. And usually the game, I think the strategy was you just play until somebody was in tears and they had to get a teacher or an adult or whatever. And then the game was over and stuff. So that was sort of breakthrough that, that came to my mind. I don't know what comes to your mind. But I want you to think about, like, what does it mean to step into a barrier-breaking anointing? You know, these were the words that were on my mind as I was preparing this, that like, I, I think that some of us don't realize that there's actually an anointing and a calling on our life to be a breaker of barriers. Um, now, that might look very different from one person to another, but to think about ministry through the lens and walking with Jesus through the lens of you are actually called to be a, a barrier breaker. And I want to look at this sort of through the lens of what Christ has done for us, what Christ has done in us, but then what Christ has called us to as well. And so I trust that the Lord will maybe stir some things in us here today. So when we talk about access to God, and then we talk about being unified under his mission, that's kind of where we're going today. We talk about access to God now, unified under his mission. So some of the things from last week, we talked about heaven breaking through to earth, divinity reaching down to humanity, our brokenness connected to the life of Christ. That is what communion is all about. But I want to submit to you today that it is the mission of Christ that unites us. It is the mission of Christ that moves us forward. I was talking to a long-term member of the church who, who said, you know, Aaron, the thing that's been really special about this church over generations has been that there has been an ongoing focus on the mission of Christ. So we are a pretty big tent. We have people of very different backgrounds. We have people with some different personalities, for sure, different gifting, for sure. And yet, the thing that has seemed to unite us, this is what he was saying to me, is that we can kind of all get in line behind the mission of Christ. 
And so to the extent that we are able to do that, well, again, we will find unity and we'll find ourselves moving forward. If you are not connected to the mission of Christ, your faith is gonna always feel a little dry and things are gonna always feel a little commonplace and I, I would make the suggestion to you today that the more we get connected to the mission of Christ, the more our lives actually become an exciting adventure. And I've seen this in my own life. When I start to feel very dry, when I start to feel sort of down, discouraged, all that kind of stuff, I realize I'm usually not connected in a deep way to the mission of Christ. And when the mission of Christ is alive and well in my life, it's, you know, every day sort of becomes an adventure. And you don't really have time to complain about stuff, right? You don't have time to get down and discouraged because you're moving with the Spirit. So, Ephesians chapter two, uh, we're gonna start by talking about the wondrous cross and the humble Christian, but I want you to read these scriptures with me first. Uh, and I'm just gonna read a little bite chunk, a bite-sized chunk, and then just keep your finger there and we'll, we'll continue on through a rather uh, larger passage as we go. Okay, Ephesians 2, 12 and following. Remember, Paul writes, that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. Remember this, he says. Don't forget this. Verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. May God add blessing to the reading of his word. Again, keep your finger there. We're gonna read through a lot more verses here today, but I wanna pause there for a moment and talk about the, the importance of, of humility, the wondrous cross, and the humble Christian. Now, for some of you, depending on your life and world experience, you might say that those words sound like a bit of an oxymoron to me. And maybe uh, you, can, you can chuckle. It's okay. We're all friends here. But when we talk about breaking barriers, we must start with the foundation of humility. You know, a significant thing here is happening in the early church, as Paul is writing these words, that Christianity, which began as a phenomenon that primarily affected Jewish people, uh, at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit falls on praying Jewish believers. They begin to preach to other Jews in their city. They're people who speak a different language, and that's why we have this kind of powerful acts experience of people saying, I'm hearing the gospel preached to me, but it's in my own tongue. It's just the work of the Holy Spirit. But this is among the Jewish people of God. Then we have Paul, who was Saul. He's chosen, called by Jesus in a very dramatic Acts 9 uh, road to uh, Damascus experience. And, uh, and Paul is chosen by God to take the gospel outside of the Jewish faith. So Paul is the writer uh, of the, the book of Ephesians, which is essentially a letter to the church of Ephesus, okay? So if you're catching up with all that. Paul is the church planter, the missionary to the Gentiles, and he is writing as a Jew to non-Jewish people. It's a new tension the church has to sort of figure out. And actually, it, there's quite a few details in the book of Acts about how they're trying to navigate this. And like, what, do we, what should we ask of people who are culturally different than us? You know, they're just working through the tension of barriers being broken by the gospel and these new tensions that were coming into the church. So Paul's reminding his readers that they're not entitled. They're not entitled to a right standing with God. And, and it's this foundational humility that really undergirds so much of our understanding of our walk with Jesus. We don't want to be entitled in our walk with Jesus. 
It is this foundation of humility that we need because the gospel gives us an even standing at the foot of the cross. So as he's dealing with this kind of cultural tension and the gospel going here and here, but he's saying, but we're all sort of equal at the foot of the cross. And he's reminding his readers here, he's saying, remember at the time you were separate from Christ. You were literally without hope and without God in the world. That was you. And then immediately says, but think about this good news that Jesus Christ has brought you near to himself because Jesus is in fact uh, the great breaker of barriers. What's Paul doing here? So the early church grappling with the gospel, the breaking of barriers, it's, it's different geography, it's different language, it's different racial lines. So how does the church remain unified when the people that are coming into it are so different? Well, the gospel gives us this foundation of humility, equal standing at the foot of the cross. And I'm gonna tell you why we must start here. If we are going to step into a mantle or an anointing of being a barrier breaker, which I'm gonna make the argument, you can disagree with me, I'm gonna make the argument, I think every one of us that is in Christ has that calling on our life. But some of us are wired differently than others, right? Some of you were the first kid, you hoped your name was called when you played Red Rover because you couldn't wait to get through and knock somebody down, right? How, how many of you were that kid in, 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 uh, in elementary school, right? You know, you just wanted to go. And that may even carry over even your personality now. You like to stand up to a good debate. You like a good argument. You like to break down barriers in that way. Well, the reason that humility is so important for us in the church and as people on mission with Christ is this. Humility keeps us from becoming boorish or reckless in our call to be barrier breakers. The world already has division, right? The world already has anger. The world already has most people that are just kind of at a hair trigger. And so a humble person coming in as a representative or ambassador of Christ will find that the cross anchors us in the spirit of 1 Peter 3.15. It says, but in your hearts revere Christ as Lord, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Always be prepared. Now, I, I wanna make just sort of this observation as well. If you are not prepared to give a reason for the hope that you have in Jesus Christ, I don't know how you will ever become a barrier breaker. And it might be that you would say, I don't feel very equipped. I don't feel very prepared. We have tons of resources. We would love to share with you to say, this is how you can be able to say, I am able to give an account and give an answer to the people who ask. So he, but here's the thing. Peter says this, be ready, be prepared. And when people ask you about the hope that you live, live out, when people see Christ in you, be ready to explain why. But, you know what he says? but do so with gentleness and respect. I think it's one of the most important passages in all the Bible. Be ready, be prepared, because God has a, a barrier-breaking anointing that some of you maybe even today are saying, I'm gonna, I'm gonna step into that anointing for the first time. Be prepared, be ready, but do it with gentleness and respect. I wonder what it would look like if we all got that verse just a little bit better. 
You know, if we're just a, just a little bit, may, maybe not perfect. None of us are Jesus. None of us are going to get it perfectly. But to be able to speak grace and truth the way that he did and to make that a goal, to say as a church, we want to be known for that. Wow. What kind of impact would we make on our world? So the wondrous cross and the humble Christian, we have to start with humility. That's why we preach it so much. That's why we preach it today. But let's go on and see what Paul writes in verse 14 uh, of Ephesians 2. He says, for he himself, that is Jesus, is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. By setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and its regulations, his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to you who were near, for through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. So Paul is obviously talking right now about the Gentile Jew. So there's, there's this racial difference. There's this ethnicity that, that Jesus is actually bringing people together who up to that point assumed they, that they could never intermingle. But what, what he's showing is this, that in the, the purposes of Christ, that all of these things that we oftentimes make very important become secondary now, I'm going to talk about that a little bit more in the next point, but let me give you a, a quick update. The last time, I've preached on this, mess, on this passage before. The last time was in the summer of 2020. We were going through the book of Ephesians, and it fell to me to preach on this section. So I was talking about a couple of things, talking about some different cultural differences, what it's like to be in the minority, which many of us have never experienced, but I think it's important for us to be able to understand some of these differences and to be able to hold them well in tension. When I was preaching about that, I shared with you a story about being in the Dominican Republic, which was the first time in my life that I was a minority, I was a racial minority. The people around me were not like me. And one of the stories that I, I told you was that my nickname that people called me was Rubio. Does anybody remember this? Does anybody remember what Rubio stands for or what it means when translated? Some of your Spanish speakers so you would know. Blonde or blondie, right? So I was like, "What?" You know, but I would literally be walking down the street, and people would say, "Hey, Rubio! Hey, Rubio!" You know, it was just like if they saw me, say, "Hey, Rubio! Hey, blondie!" So that's what they—that's how they saw me. You know, as I was talking a little bit about some of the differences with that. Now, here's a, just a little update for you. After I preached that message a few years ago, um, my kids started calling me Rubio, <laughs> and it started out as a as a sort of joke. Um, that they just say hey, Rubio, you know, and then I would call them Hijo de Rubio, which means son of Blondie. Uh, <laughs> none of us are blonde, uh, and then we just shortened it. So, that, so now, two years later, in our house, uh, every day we refer to each other, all three of us, as Rubio. So, like when you want something for one of my kids, I just say, hey, Rubio, get me, you know this, and they do the same thing to me. So I, I was just thinking about the oddity of this, that like years from now, people are going to look at uh, our family and dissecting notes and things that were written and stuff, and they will determine after I am long gone that I was the, 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 the head of a proud, blonde, Spanish family. Um, so it's just sort of funny. So I was thinking about that last time we, we preached through this. Here, here's what we see in, in this point, though, that the wondrous cross and the barrier breaker in Christ. I, I, just, I don't want you to miss this because it's so pivotal. It's so pivotal in keeping us anchored 
in our place and in our lane so that we can serve our master well and serve our world well. Someone has to go first in reconciliation, right? When you are at odds with somebody, be it someone that's in your family or a friend or a roommate, you know, we know that happens, right? You know, I remember college roommates. You get at odds, you get sideways, something happens. But if reconciliation is going to happen, somebody has to go first. And there's usually kind of a, a beautiful softening moment where that person that you're just at odds with and you sort of begin to see them through a different light and through a different lens and something begins to get restored. And it, it strikes me that when we think about Ephesians 2 that Christ could have pointed out, I mean if anyone could have pointed out, Christ could have pointed out the very real differences between himself and us. In fact, that's where we usually go when we're in disagreement. We focus on the, the disagreement, the, the places where we view it differently. And we're frustrated that the other person sees it differently or is acting in a different way. Christ could have very easily done that. But instead, he went first. He went first in fighting for us instead of against us. And that's why we've said many times God is a good enemy to have, right? Because he uses his power to actually work to redeem us. Jesus is the ultimate barrier breaker. And before I make it just sort of a personal question for you, I just want you to think globally for a moment. Uh, I've referenced um, Tim Keller many times, one of my favorite authors and preachers. One of the things that he notes in his book, uh, The Reason for God, is he's asking, he's, he's addressing the question, is Christianity actually a straitjacket that sort of molds us into this iron form and makes everybody like everybody else in the Christian world? And what he says is no. He says, when you look at the way that Christian expansion differs from that of every other world religion, you see some interesting things. You see that the centers, for example, of Islam and Hinduism and Buddhism and Confucianism, they have remained in those places all throughout their existence. By contrast, Christianity was first dominated by the Jews and centered in Jerusalem. Later, it was dominated by the Hellenists and centered in the Mediterranean. That's the tension that we're seeing in Ephesians 2 is that expansion. But later, the faith was received by Northern Europe and Christianity became dominated by Western Europeans and then North America. Today, most Christians in the world live in Africa and Latin America and Asia. All of these groups have cultural distinctions, multiple cultural distinctions, even while they are making up the global body of Christ. And so there is something special and unique and amazing about the way that Jesus breaks down barriers in bringing us to himself, so that right now, even in the world, what we're actually seeing is closer to a picture of Revelation than it is to Ephesians 2 of every tribe and tongue and nation and people from all around the world. And friends, my contacts overseas and my contacts that I, I mean, I sit on various prayer calls and involved in some different networks. I'm amazed at what I'm seeing outside of the United States. In fact, many of the prayer networks that I'm a part of are turning their attention to the United States to say, we are the biggest need of revival. But God is actually gathering people to himself way beyond the scope of what we see. It's kind of amazing. If a global picture is a little tricky for you to get your head around, let me just ask you to think from a personal perspective. Jesus is the ultimate 
barrier breaker. Are you glad for the barriers that he has broken down around your life? Who would I be? Where would I be? Apart from the unmerited favor and grace of God. That's a great question to ask. Another one that keeps us very humble. So Ephesians goes on in this last little section to say, verse 19, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Jesus Christ himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Now, I want you just to get your mind around this for a moment because I'm not sure that we always take those kind of words as seriously as we ought to, right? We've just said that Jesus Christ was the great barrier breaker. I mean, he did, the, he did all of the heavy lifting, all of the reason that you were able to have a right standing before God is because of the finished work of Jesus. That's why we talk about the finished work of Jesus as often as we do. But then he says, now you are no longer estranged. You're no longer a foreigner. You're no longer an alien. You're no longer out here. You actually brought into this family. And then specifically, here's what it says. And in him, you two are being built together to become a what? A dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. This last point I want to just touch on briefly is the wondrous cross and a new identity. While it is true that we have a tendency to group and we have a tendency to compete. We see God doing a new thing in us. Paul, who was Jewish by birth, is now the missionary to the Gentiles. The gospel crosses racial and language and ethnic barriers and so much more. Jesus broke down the barriers between God and humanity and then, here, this, this is where it's so amazing, he then breaks down the barriers between humanity and humanity. And that is a privileged place for us to encounter him. There is a new identity given under the headship of Christ. If you are in Christ today, you have a new identity. So my title of Christ follower, this becomes primary. I am still of a certain age, a certain race, a certain nationality, a certain gender. But none of those matter the way my primary identity does. The NFL coach, Herm Edwards, famously said, we play for the name on the front of the jersey, not for the name on the back. And I think that's a pretty good illustration of the unity that we can have when we get this right. So here's where I'd like to kind of land this today. Christ becomes the barrier breaker. He is the object of the title of this message. And yet, we are called to step into a barrier-breaking anointing. Why do I say that? Well, as Christ's ambassadors to this world, what is our calling? What do we do? We do the things that Christ has done and has called us to do. I want you to hear today that you are a barrier breaker. 
I wanna encourage you today, whether you are 90 years old or whether you are 12 years old or something older or younger or in between, that there is a calling that you can step into and I believe that the Spirit of God would want us to step into. When you think about what we do in ministry, I I hadn't really thought about it this way before, though I've preached on this passage before and I've read it many, many times. Probably many of you have read it many times as well. But this idea that to see my life through the lens that I'm called to be a barrier breaker. You are called to be a barrier breaker. What does the evangelist do? The evangelist breaks the wall of hostility between man and God, breaking down the barriers so that that person is ready to come into and step into the finished work of Jesus. What is discipline doing in your life? When we discipline ourselves, we're breaking the bonds of the old nature so that we can engage better and look more like Christ. You are a barrier breaker. This is why missionaries go. This is why activists act. This is why reformers reform. And the key question I wanna ask you is this. If you can get your mind around that statement and maybe even pray into it a little bit today or this week or whatever, the question I would ask you is this. What is the call on your life now? Not a decade ago. Not five years ago, not 20. What's the call on your life now? What's God asking of you? What's God want from you? Now listen, I wanna make sure you're hearing this. I'm not saying this, I'm not preaching this message because I've got 15 things that I really need more volunteers for at the church and we just gotta get some names to do them. I'm not doing that. This is all about, that. that'll be another time, that'll be another message probably, but that's not today. I wanna talk about what is the Holy Spirit of God saying to you now? What are the barriers he's pointing out? What are the things that you're beginning to observe or to see? When we understand this well, we start to understand calling. And the fact of the matter is, you don't drift into your calling. You gotta seek it, you gotta ask for it but you know people who are living out their calling. They're barrier breakers who are doing incredible things. I look at different people that I've experienced in my life or I've admired from afar. One person would be Christine Kane. What a powerful leader she is. You know, the thing about when I look at people like her is this, that when you see the need and follow Jesus, you'll never be bored a day in your life. That's what I was talking to you about before with the the mission of Christ. And if you are bored in your walk with Jesus right now, friends, let me tell you, you're doing something wrong. You're missing something. I've been there. I get there many times. I have to come back because I'm missing something because following Jesus is not boring. The adventure of breaking down barriers and, and, and what's sometimes fearful when he's saying it's time to go, it's time to move, it's time to do a new thing, it's time to get out of a rut. It's time to break some new ground. So Christine Kane, in her work to rescue people from human trafficking and the sex trade, she puts her life on the line many times. She was asked one time why she was not afraid when she's entering into all of these very dangerous scenarios. And her response, which I will never forget, is this. I'm not afraid because the goal of life is not to arrive at death safely. (laughs) write it down put it on your mirror look at it before you go to work and school in the morning the goal of life is not to arrive at death safely see she is a committed barrier breaker who also notes incidentally 
also notes that Christians should be Earth's most relationally functional people. And you know why she says that? Because we have been redeemed. We have been given so much. So to come to that place of humility. That's another sermon another day. I thought a little bit about Mark chapter two. There's this group of guys that they have a friend who needs to be with Jesus, right? He's, he's got a physical malady and they can't get in because the crowd is so big. So you remember what they did? What do they do? They rip off the roof. I mean, if that's not barrier breaking, that's pretty on the nose, right? That's, that, that's it right there. But what are they doing? The heart of it is this. They're trying to get somebody in the presence of Jesus. That is the call on your life. To look at your world through the lens of how Jesus sees it, to see your neighbors in that way, to see your world in that way. I said before, you're not gonna drift into your calling. You've gotta seek it. On the, on the topic of seeking, I'm just gonna share this real quick and then we're gonna be right, right to the end. I was reading in my devotions in the book of Jeremiah and they said, we need to hear the word from the Lord. So they said, Jeremiah, we need a word from the Lord. So he began to pray. And then like this particular passage just kind of glosses right through it. It says, 10 days later, the word of the Lord came. And I thought about that. Like when's the last time I prayed for something fervently for 10 days? You know, I do a half a day prayer retreat and I'm like, man, the Lord's just not answering. <laughs> right? You know, but it's like a pressing in. A seeking, a going for it. You know, there's like, there's this, this stepping into this calling. It requires a little bit of fortitude. It requires a little commitment. So we seek the word of the Lord. I wonder the last time you've asked about your calling, maybe even asking God to refresh your calling. Some of you got clarity on calling, but you need a little refresher. Some of you have no idea about calling. The invites that I wanna give you today Worship team, you guys can start making your way up uh, to the stage, and um, we'll, we'll go into that here in a minute. Uh, the, the invitations would be this. There is somebody that is listening to this message that's stepping into a barrier-breaking anointing, all that kind of stuff. That, that's, that's down the road for you because the reality is you've not met Jesus Christ yet as the barrier-breaker in your life. That's where you gotta start. That's where you gotta start. Your invitation today is to say, I'm gonna bow my knee to the lordship of Jesus Christ, I'm gonna say yes to him, because guess what? He is in the process right now of breaking down the barriers that you build up. And then we, he want, he's after you. The hound of heaven, you know, that's, that's a, a good promise, a little intimidating. But this is your personal response to Jesus Christ and breaking barriers. And we do that very simply by prayer. We say, God, I know I'm a sinner. I know that my sin has kept me from you. That is a barrier, right? I know that Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross is enough to break that barrier, to, to take care of that sin problem. And so now I look to him. He's the barrier breaker. He's after me. He's, he's coming into my life. And I receive him. I receive him. So that's, that's your invitation today. I wanna encourage you to do that. Personal response. Um, now, now, this is the other ones I'm pretty excited about today. Uh, what is your calling response to be a barrier breaker? If you are in Christ today, there's probably one of two answers that you would say to that. I have no idea, right? And now you've got the joy of seeking, and I'm going to encourage you to that today. Or you say, I, I think actually I know what my my calling is. I, I, I think I know the ways in which God has gifted me and called me to, to serve and to do some things, but maybe 
Maybe it's been a while since I've asked him to refresh that calling in my life. Does that resonate with your heart today? Okay, so here's what we're gonna do. Two, the two invitations. If you need Jesus, we want you to come on up and pray and make a commitment to Jesus today. That's important. We wanna pray with you. If you are saying, you know what? I'm ready to step into a barrier-breaking anointing because I think that is a call on my life, either to figure it out or to ask God to refresh it. I brought clipboards. Yes. Could church get any better? I'd like you to come up and look at this. We got people from the first service who said, I'm gonna step into that. I want you to join them in that. And, uh, and what we're gonna do is we're gonna, we're gonna encourage you in that. Again, I don't have a list. I'm not saying, oh, good, because we need you to do this. We need, no, we wanna encourage you. And this is the other thing. We wanna hear what God's unpacking in your life. I, I think we don't have a clue. I don't think I have a clue. I don't think we have a clue how much work God is actually doing in so many of your hearts and lives. And so that may be part of it. Just come down and write in there just, and just ask him for your name and contact info so we can have some follow-up stuff with this. I'm gonna hear about how God is calling you to step into a barrier-breaking anointing. And then uh, as we're up here, I'm gonna pray over you for those who, who desire to come. Just pray God's favor over that. So would you stand? I'm gonna pray don't, if uh, any of these pieces are for you today, don't wait till I'm even done praying. Just start coming down right now. We'll just call you right down. Just come, start stepping out. Jesus, we thank you that you are the barrier breaker and that you have a calling on our lives to say, we want to figure out, God, how you are calling us to be barrier breakers. And so, Lord, I want to pray specifically if, if there is anybody that is here that is saying, I need to figure that out. I need, to, I need to do some business with the Lord. I need to lean in. I need to pray. Would you just start coming down right now? I was just, the Lord's tugging your heart. You're saying, I'm going for this. And listen, I'm serious. I don't care if you're 10 years old. I don't care if you're 90 years old. Figure it out. You know, if God's, God's calling you, let's, let's go for it. Just come down. Um, someone else that would say, I just need the Lord just to refresh a little bit that vision. You know, just God, give me some clarity. Uh, I'm, just come down now. We'll just call you down. Lord, I pray that you bless these folks. If there is anybody that is saying, today is the day that I need to put my faith in Jesus Christ, I have not done that. That is your calling today. I want to encourage you to come down. And as we sing and as we worship, if you're a, a slow adopter and you say, oh man, I really should have gone down, then just come down. It's all good. It's all good. Um, and we're going to lift up Jesus together and we're going to pray. And so would you come as we sing and worship team, would you, would you lead us in this last song?